In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as always, it's great to be with all of you at the beginning of this new year. So as we start our conversation, we always like to start off by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. We also invoke Mary in the beautiful prayer that we say at the end of the rosary, which is the Hail Holy Queen. We also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So at the beginning of this new year, in which January 1st is always a day dedicated to Mary, the Mother of God, let us uh, raise our minds, our hearts to Mary. Beg Mary to pray for us, to pray with us, and to bless us this new year. As we pray the prayer that she loves most, and that prayer is the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We'd like to invite to, invite to be with us our spiritual director. Our spiritual director, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. There are many titles for the Holy Spirit. Titles which describe or explain his work within the world, within the church, and his work within us. Among the many titles of the Holy Spirit would be he's the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is also the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as a sweet guest of the soul. Holy Spirit is also known as our sanctifier. He who helps us to grow in holiness. Holy Spirit is also the interior master, our teacher. So let's beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light. A lot of peace. An interior fire to burn within our hearts. As you say the classical prayer of the Holy Spirit. And that prayer is. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God who did instruct the hearts of your faithful. By the light of the Holy Spirit. 
Grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of God, and Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. St. Gregory Nansiansen, pray for us. Saint Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverant Family Conversation and Happy New Year to all of you. Invite all of you to come to our Perseverant Family Program. Invite some of your friends to to be with us. Great to have all of you today at the start of this new year. But invite others to come that we would grow in number and holiness. So, just a little summary of where we're at. We're still in what is called the Christmas season. Christmas we celebrated eight days ago. Then that Christmas week, the church offered us a lot of a lot of wonderful saints to honor. We celebrated the feast day of the proto-martyr, St. Stephen, the day after Christmas, highlighting the importance of knowing the Word of God and living out the Word of God, as did St. Stephen. following day, we had the feast day of St. John the Evangelist, tried to highlight in his life his deep friendship with Christ. That would be a good proposal for this new year for all of us, actually, to grow in our friendship with Christ. That would be a good New Year's proposal. 
why not do all we can to grow in our friendship with Christ as we embark upon this new year? We celebrated Holy Innocence. In which these innocent children, they were massacred for Christ. We tried to relate the celebration of the Holy Innocence to the reality of abortion, which is still the greatest moral evil in our country. We should do all we possibly can to defend human life from the very moment of conception until natural death. Life is sacred. We celebrated St. Thomas Becket, one of the key martyrs in the Middle Ages. And St. Sylvester, who was uh, an early Catholic Pope. So my friends, I'd like to place all of all of you on the altar as we embark upon a new year. And they offer the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which is the greatest prayer that this indeed would be a year in your lives, a, a year of great blessings. A year of great blessings this year. So, We have much to cover. And as all of you know, the Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI Emeritus, passed away. New Year's Eve. And there will be his funeral mass this coming Thursday in Rome. So let's pray for the Holy Father, for his soul, and pray for the church at large. He actually was instrumental in doing much good within the church. Was the key figure the last century. He lived almost to be a hundred years old. He died at 95. So in these days I'll be talking about him and highlighting some of his great contributions of Pope Benedict XVI. What a great man of God he was. And he was almost the last figure we have in the church that was actually present at the Second Vatican Council in the early 60s with John Paul II and with
with also Fulton Sheen. I mentioned more than once the importance of us getting to know the documents of Vatican II. Especially what are called the dogmatic constitutions. Which would be De Verbum, Sacrosanta Concilium, God in Spes, and Lumen Gentium are the four key documents of the 16 documents of Vatican II. So we'll be we'll be referring to Pope Bennett the 16th during the course of the week. Such a giant figure that left so much good to the world. So today we have to cover um, quite a bit, as always. We have two saints that we'll be talking about. Then we have the first letter of St. John. Then we have the Gospel of St. John. So let's start, my friends, with talking about the saints of the day. Now the Catholic Church... John Paul II spoke about the Catholic Church breathes with two lungs. You have the Western, the Latin Church, then you have the Eastern Church. In the Western Latin Church, my friends, we have what is called patristics. We have the Latin doctors of the Church. And they would be St. Jerome. Then you have St. Ambrose. Then you have St. Augustine. And then you have St. Gregory the Great. Those would be the four key fathers of the church in the Latin church. Whereas today we celebrate two of the great, two of the great Eastern bishops, doctors, and fathers of the church. So today we celebrate St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nassiansen. St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nassiansen. These men were known for their great writings but as also their holiness. But I'd like to highlight in their life is that they both established a spiritual bond of friendship. They both established a deep spiritual bond of friendship when they went to school together. And what was this 
what was this, so to speak, this spiritual friendship What was the spiritual friendship of St. Basil and Gregory? What was that based on? I would say based principally on two pillars, on the pursuit of learning and that of holiness. The pursuit of whole learning and holiness. My friends, those can be true proposals for us this year. As we embark upon a new year. Why don't we try this year, 2023, to really go deeper in learning, learning our Catholic faith. Our Catholic faith is so rich. And one of the purposes of my Perseverance family is to be a teacher to all of you, that we would all get to learn our faith better and better. But also, not only learning, because learning, just for the sake of learning, can easily be transformed into, into pride. So both learning and holiness, and so St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory pursued both learning and holiness. I'd like to mention another one that pursued both learning and holiness, and that was Pope Benedict XVI, whose name before was that of Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. And let's pray, my friends, that we would also be able to establish in our lives. Sincere friendships. Friendships that are based on trying to learn the truth. The truth that is presented in our Catholic faith. But also that of holiness. But we do have a friend or friends that we we try to share our learning to help our friend to grow with us in knowledge of our faith, but also to grow in real holiness of life. So that would be the point I'd just like to highlight as we celebrate St. Basil the Great and Gregory Nazianzen. These are among the most noteworthy Eastern fathers of the church. Others would be St. John Chrysostom, St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Athanasius, St. Cyril. These are 
doctors and fathers of the Eastern Church. So now let's move, my friends, into the first reading. St. John starts off by saying, who is, the, who is a liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. So as we celebrate the birthday of Christ, we also highlight the fact that Jesus Christ, my friends, He is truly God. A good definition of Christ would be Jesus Christ is the Son of God made man. For that reason, the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons, they deny that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They deny His divinity. Therefore, they're a religious sect, but they're not Christians. The, the foundation of our Catholic faith is Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then the first reading, St. John speaks about the promise that God gives to us is eternal life. is eternal life. My friends, often we should reflect upon the last things related to eternal life. Reflecting upon our mortality, how short our life is. True, Pope Benedict XVI died, he was 95, but still life is very very short. Death, judgment, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Then, he speaks about he speaks about, my friends, anointing. Let's talk briefly about anointing. John says that we have the anointing. What does this mean, this, this whole idea of anointing? Anointing. Well, when we do celebrate the sacraments, there are sacraments in which there is really an anointing. Let's talk about that. St. John mentions anointing three times in the first reading today. He says that we have the anointing. Think about how many times you have been anointed. Let's start with Let's start with, with baptism. 
When you were baptized and you participated in the baptism of your children and you've probably been a godparent more than once, the priest or the deacon anoints two times. The first anointing in the celebration of baptism is actually it's a minor exorcism before the child is baptized. The church recognizes very clearly that the devil does exist and we have to fight against the devil, the flesh and the world so that we can make it to heaven. Then there's another anointing after the baptism, the anointing of the forehead with holy chrism. With holy chrism. We become God's anointed people. Then... What is another sacrament in which you have the anointing? And it's confirmation. This time the ordinary minister of the sacrament confirmation is the bishop. And he takes his finger and he places his finger in the holy chrism and he anoints your forehead and says, Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you and also with you. So with that anointing, what happens is it's a deepening of your union with Christ who said, I am the vine and you're the branches. So there's a deeper union between us and Christ as well as the Holy Spirit. Now with baptism we receive the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit which by now hopefully you have memorized wisdom, knowledge, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety and fear of the Lord. Those are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. But with confirmation they're fortified all the more. How about another anointing? Well, I have anointed that you don't have anoint you do not have. My hands were anointed when I was ordained to the priesthood. Why does Father Broom have his hands anointed? Because these hands are consecrated to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the Mass. To bring God from heaven to earth and into your souls. Then there's, there's also another anointing. There's another anointing and that would be the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. It used to be called extra unction, but now it's called the anointing of the sick. This can only be administered by the priest or the bishop. 
This sacrament is given in which the priest places his hands upon the head of the sick person, then anoints the forehead as well as the hands with with oil. Then anointing helps the sick and the aged to be patient in their suffering, to unite their suffering to the suffering of Christ. It buoys up the virtue of hope. It can purify the soul of sin. So my friends, I've given you a, give, a, give a short, a brief catechesis today in our conversation. I've given you a brief catechesis on the different anointings that we have in the church. If you'll read through the reading today, John mentions John mentions anointing three times. So just as a review, we're anointed by oil in baptism, the exorcism, then the anointing after baptism on the forehead. There is anointing and confirmation on the forehead. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The priest's hands are anointed when he's ordained to the priesthood. And finally, the anointing of the sick is given to those who are gravely ill or up in years. This sacrament can also be given before an operation in which the person will receive anesthesia. So John says, he says, his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and not false, just as it taught you, remain in him. So the anointing is also related to the Holy Spirit. And John is speaking about the Holy Spirit will teach you. Jesus will say that when I go, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all the things that I've taught you. He will call to mind the things that I've taught you. So my friend, let's move then from the first reading to the Responsorial Psalm. The antiphon is, all the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. All the ends of the earth have seen the saving power of God. That refers to the birthday of Christ because he, by being born, he opens up the door to salvation. The name Jesus actually means Savior. By the way, tomorrow we celebrate the holy name of Jesus. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. The holy name of Jesus. All right, my friends. We're in the Gospel now of John. On Christmas, we had John chapter 1, the prologue. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. To his own he came, but they did not receive him. But those who did receive him, he gave him the power to be sons of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's a summary of the prologue of the Gospel of St. John. Now we have, once again, the figure of John the Baptist in his testimony. The testimony of St. John the Baptist. Now, St. John the Baptist is out in his ministry. He's preaching, he's teaching, and he's baptizing. Preaching, teaching, and baptizing. And what has happened is John the Baptist is attracting many people. In a certain sense, we have to say this, my friends, that holiness is holiness is magnetic. That's right. Holiness is is magnetic. It holiness attracts. So the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to John the Baptist asking, Who are you? Who are you? Now, if you were, if you were asked, Who are you? Well, most of you would say, well, I'm Estella, I'm Lena, I'm Lisa, I'm Sophie, I'm Lulu. All of you would give your first name, fine. But also you have another name. And on the feast day of St. Gregory and St. Basil the Great, in the office of readings, they say they wanted to be called Christians. So true, your name is Estella, and your name is Lena, and your name is Lisa, and your name is Sophie. Your name is Mary, and your name is Rita. That's right, those are, those are the names that were given to you and your name is very important. But she wouldn't, we shouldn't be afraid to say that we are also, we, our name is, we are Christians. For example, myself, I'm a Christian, Catholic, religious priest. All those attributes I give to myself. I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic too. I'm a religious. I belong to the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And also I'm a, I'm a priest. I was ordained to the priesthood. Thanks be to God by Pope John Paul II. 
those are some of the attributes that define me as a person. So I say, don't don't be afraid to say, uh, you, my, uh, my name is Estella or Sophie or Lena, but also I am a Christian Catholic. You meet people who say, I'm a Christian, but I'm a Christian too. All Catholics are Christians, but not all Christians are Catholics. Try to get that one. I repeat, all All Catholics are Christians, but not all Christians are Catholics. So, they came up to John the Baptist. They came up to John the Baptist. And they asked him, Who are you? Who are you? And... There was confusion among the ranks as to who John the Baptist was. Some were think that John the Baptist might be the Christ. That he might be the Christ. So they say, well, who are you? He said, I am not, he says, I am not the Christ. So John the Baptist is attracting so many people that many people actually thought that he he could have been the Christ. Just that you're aware of it, the word Christ actually the word Christ actually means They posted that for you. Christ actually means anointed. We've, we've been talking about the anointing earlier in our conversation. Christ means the anointed. Now the Jewish kings, when they're chosen to be kings, they're anointed. You remember when Samuel chooses David, he anoints him with oil. Then they asked John the Baptist, then, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he says, he's not Elijah either. Then he says, are you the prophet? And he answers, no. So they come up and they say, well, then, then who are you? So that we can go back and tell those who sent us who you are. Now John the Baptist, he's going to speak with great humility. And humility means truth. He's going to be quoting the great prophet of the Old Testament, Isaiah. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord.
as Isaiah the prophet said. So he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Make straight the way of the Lord. And some of the Pharisees come up and say, well, if you're not the prophet, you're not the Christ, you're not the anointed one, why are you baptizing? And John the Baptist was baptized, and he says, I baptize you with water. But there's someone among you who you do not recognize. The one who is coming after me, and he says, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, one of the key notes of John the Baptist is John the Baptist did not have an identity crisis. He knew exactly where he came from, who he was, what his mission was, what he had to carry out. And no one would dissuade him from his mission. I think, my friends, let's stop and reflect upon that. Uh, let's ask ourselves, what, okay, what is your specific mission in life? In general, we have what is called the, it's called the universal call to holiness. We're all called to get to heaven. We're all called to become saints. But what are we called to, what are we called to carry out? I'll give you an example. A personal example. My identity, for example, I'll give you my identity as a, a, a religious priest. As an oblate, a priest is called to pray and to preach what I do with you every morning. We always start by praying together. Then I'm preaching online. But then as oblates, we are called to give the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. This is my vocation, my charism, and my mission is to give the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. Consequently, I wrote a 10-week program, and over the past 17, 18 years, we've had probably close to 20,000 people have done the exercises personally and many online. Another element of my charism, and I invite all of you to kind of look, look into your own life. What is your specific charism? 
Most of you are not priests and religious, but you do have a specific charism. You are a lay person. Many of you are baptized, confirmation. Many of you are married. Many of you have children. What is your specific charism, the grace that God has given to you? So as a priest and religious, I'm called to give the exercise. Also, I'm called to spread marrying devotion. For that reason, a couple months ago, I published my last book on called The Marrying Compendium, trying to get people to know and love Mary more and more. This is my charism. This is my identity. This is my vocation. This is my mission. Let's pray that we as members of our Perseverance family will get to know what is our specific mission in life. Another part of our charism is the formation of laity. Most of you people are lay people. And by means of our talk online, I'm hopefully I'm helping you to be better formed in your Catholic faith. You might even read that document of John Paul II. It's called Christi Fideli Laici. It's called Christi the Delhi Lychee. This is a document written by John Paul II, Christopher Delhi Lychee. Is a document directed to lay people where John Paul II says, you are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You're called to impregnate the gospel and its values within the world, within the temporal realm. Going back to my identity, I am called also as an oblate of the Virgin Mary to fight against what are called the current heresies of the day. The current heresies of the day. told you that I'll be mentioning Pope Ben the 16th over the course of this week, paying homage and tribute to this great man of God that just died a couple of days ago. One of the prominent heresies that Pope Ben the 16th tried to preach against was what does he call the uh, Pope Benedict the 16th called this that it's called the dictatorship of moral relativism. 
this is part of our charism to highlight what are some of the chief heresies of the day. I'm speaking in honor of John the Baptist. He knew he, who he was. We have to know who we are. You're a Christian. You're a Catholic. But how do, how do you live out your specific vocation and mission in your life right now? So this is another highlight of the charism of the, of the oblates of the Virgin Mary. To point out the errors of the day. Just a word on moral relativism. We'll talk about it later on in the week. Moral relativism states, asserts that there's no such thing as absolute truth. But rather, truth is subject, it's subjective, it's subject to social mores and personal personal individual feelings. So the truth changes according to the time, the place, the culture, the social mores. There was a Greek philosopher, his name is Heraclitus, and he spoke about what is called perpetual flux. Everything is a state of fluctuation. This is wrong because there is there is absolute truth. And this is taught by the church. Another one of our highlights as oblates is trying to spread good literature. Today would be utilizing the mass media. the social media to preach the word of God. Oh, another one of our our specific works as oblates would be the formation the formation of priests. the formation of priests. So we're talking about today, my friends, is is the role the role of John the Baptist. And His role was to basically pointing to Christ. Now whether or not you're a priest or religious or someone that's single or married, all of us, all of us are called to be like John the Baptist, we are called to point to Christ. 
We're all called to point to Christ. John the Baptist was so humble. He said that I'm not even worthy to unfasten his sandal straps. John the Baptist would say, I'm only a voice, quoting Isaiah, I'm only a voice crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist would also say, he must increase. He must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist also said, I'm just a friend of the groom. Once the groom comes, I disappear. He must increase and I must decrease. John the Baptist, when Christ comes to be baptized, John the Baptist says, I should be baptized by you. John the Baptist did not have an identity crisis. He recognized that his role in life was to exalt Christ and to point to Christ. To bring people to Christ. To bring people to Christ. People follow John the Baptist and he'd point someone is much greater than me. I baptize with water but he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit. So in honor of the Gospel today in honor of the Gospel today John the Baptist bringing people to Christ. I'd like to challenge you this new year, another New Year's proposal. Another New Year's proposal that I challenge all of us with. I know what I'm raising the bar I'm raising the bar high for all of you, but why not accept the challenge? Why not all of you, myself included, every month, once a month, once a month invite all of you, try to bring, try to bring someone back to the Catholic Church. Try to do that. The biggest religious group in the United States, my friends, are non-practicing Catholics. That's right. Non-practicing Catholics are the biggest group in the United States, in the Philippines, in Mexico, in South America, in Europe. The biggest group are non-practicing Catholics, like John the Baptist. Let us identify ourselves as followers of Christ. 
an imitation of St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory the Great were not only men who really knew their faith well, but they were holy men. Let's take this challenge seriously, as Martha points out, and encourage you reading James chapter 5. James chapter 5 says, Whoever brings back someone to God, he saves his own soul and he, and he will expiate a multitude of sins. So our salvation and less time in purgatory. So my friends, we've had a very good conversation today. Invite all of you to share to share our teaching with others. That's right. Invite all of you to share our teaching with others, so that people will get to know who Christ is. I'm trying to imitate John the Baptist to point to Christ, because indeed Christ is truly the way, the truth, and the life. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.